a bull market you can believe in. Gold flirting with 1750, the US dollar index over 100, unemployment numbers now 36 million unemployed here in the US, which led to the worst week for the major indices in nearly 2 months. Is this the end of that rally? Or do we get a slingshot rebound and Nick Hodges' favorite term, a V-shaped recovery? We'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about silver looking to hopefully break out, Bitcoin flirting with 10,000, negative rates possibly coming to the U.S., the mortgage market starting to cooperate a bit, and an apology up top from yours truly on last week's joke. I am Gerardo Del Real. This is episode 70 of Bizarro World, along with my co-host, the second hardest working man in the resource space, Mr. Nick Hodge. Mr. Hodge, how are you? Maybe not as good as the hardest working man in the resource space. Uh, I don't know who that is. And I also want to know why we have to apologize for jokes. Well, let's start with the hardest working man. I, you know, I track these things. I have a spreadsheet as, as, as you know, I keep lots of those. And, and I think, I think Rick rules got you beat still. I, uh, I, I go no to, I, I go to my LinkedIn and there's a new article and there's comments on everything. And then I go to Twitter and, and he's got three interviews with three different outfits on. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, you know what? He obviously loves what he does. Um, he loves how he does it. And whether you like him or not, um, he, 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 he earns his keep. So um, that's not a bad number one to be behind, Mr. Hodge. He's always friendly to talk to. He's always willing to talk to you. And for a man of his um, status and stature, um, that's quite commendable. Absolutely. And now my apology. Let's get it out of the way. I realized after last week I made a joke about two nuns and a prostitute. And I butchered the joke, man. So I want to apologize to everybody. What I said last week was, what do you call two nuns and a prostitute? And and and, and the answer to the joke, the punchline to the joke was two tight ends and a wide receiver. And I want to apologize to everybody because the joke should have read, what do you call two nuns and a prostitute playing football? Two tight ends and a wide receiver. So apologies, everybody. Apologies, apologies. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'll pick up the baton and run with the uh, theme there, as it were, because, you know, until sort of this week, strip clubs were not allowed to participate in the, um, you know, have their hand in the pot of all the stimulus checks and everything else because uh, they weren't considered a small business, um, furious, I believe is the word they use to describe these, um, unsavory businesses that partake in sex related things, but, but and I'm going to cut in those politicians have obviously never had chicken wings at a strip club, but anyway, obviously never, but, um, a strip club in Michigan said, uh, they'd had enough of that, um, discrimination, quite frankly, and they took it to the Supreme Court of Michigan and they won. And now um, strippers and the like can participate in the Paycheck uh, Protection Plan program. But whether or not they can actually get their funds like so many other small business owners will tell you is a completely another story. You know who can get those funds? U.S. companies that left the U.S. and incorporated someone else to dodge taxes um, apparently now are eligible for aid, federal aid, your tax dollars and mine. Um, how do you feel about that, Mr. Hodge? Oh, well, I cannot <laughs> believe that we're going to give money to companies who have basically just outright said that they're avoiding paying taxes by moving their headquarters, right? I mean, um, it's just... Well, we're going to get to the title of the podcast early. It's bizarro world, right? To just be able to fathom this is, you know, things are getting crazier and crazier today. Um, what did I read? Um, oh, wait, yesterday I read they want to change earnings like EBITDA, you know, um, earnings before taxes, taxes um, depreciation, yep. amortization, et cetera. Uh, they want to add COVID to that, like earnings before COVID uh, related <laughs> things or whatever. Like at the end, they want to tack it on. And then today I read that they want to change GDP to include, um, they want to add a value to lives saved for staying at home so they can add that to the GDP. I mean, it's just unfathomable, oftentimes unconscionable things and ideas that are 
uh, being floated, right? I joked on Twitter earlier this week in reference to something else, but it applies here. If I could short justice in America, I would go all in. If I could short fairness and justice in America, I would go all in. You can sort of do that by going long gold. I think that's one of the things that's involved there, right? Absolutely right. Let's talk about gold. Gold um, surprised even myself here. It closed... At 1742 today, it touched 1750 briefly. Um, a heck of a you know heck of a run. I mean, heck of a heck of a three day run. Heck of a run since the last week. Um, the low for the past 30 days is 1684. The high, of course, the intraday high was 1750, closing at 1742. Surprisingly, even silver followed along this time. It was up something like four percent today, closing at 1659, and so 4.67 percent. Um, Let's start with gold. I'd, I'd love to hear your take on, on you know, everybody's either non least favorite pet rock or everybody's favorite shiny yellow metal, right? That will save us from, um, you know, fiscal and monetary incompetence that we have going on a, on a global scale. I mean, gold is in a bull market. I think we have to start there. Um, There's a lot of noise this week about the NASDAQ getting back to, to positive for the year. Um, but nobody will tell you that it's still down from its actual peak, right? Um, and so if you're looking for something that's actually been performing and hasn't had a 10 or 15% um, correction, even after a, a quasi V bounce in broader equities, then gold is it. I mean, gold is the one that has been uh, strong. I mean, for Christ's sake, look at Barrick and, and Newmont. They've doubled. They're up 100%. Other um, equities aren't moving like that, even in the the NASDAQ, right? Um, and so you and I talk about it all the time, of course, and it's one of the main tenets of this podcast, but gold's in a bull market and it's it's going higher. It's consolidating very nicely here at the, at whatever you want to call it, the 1700 level. Let me move my chart. I mean, right in the middle, 1710-ish. And so, um, you know, trees don't go to the sky. You've heard me say that uh, a lot. Could we bounce back down off the 1750. I mean, it ripped today. It really did, right? Gold was up like 30 bucks at one point, maybe maybe even a tiny bit more. Um, and so, you know, back to 1700, I'll take it. What I'm more interested in um, is now sort of like the development of the the flows and, and sort of what what equities are, are going to perform, right? Because we've seen sort of, you and I were talking about this before we recorded, GDXJ and the, and the miners and the producers doing really well. I mean, GDXJ has gone... Uh, right through resistance, it's it's broken out, and gosh, the deals are coming. Look at a chart of Alamos mm. or Alice or, or I mean, a Rupert. lot of those you know, sort of, <laughs> Taranga. I mean, come, just look at the, some of those charts, right? So, some of the bigger stocks are doing really well, but the GDXJ does it just doesn't want to break out. I mean, it's sort of consolidating at forty three, forty four ish right now, but if you pull the chart back, really. Uh, three years, I mean, you'll see that really its resistance is up around like 54. So it's got um, some work to do. And I think that continues to beget some frustration on the speculators and the in the in the juniors and the and the developers. Um, but all in all in good time, I think. Um, anyway, I'm starting to ramble on, but gold's looking gold's looking really strong. Let's talk about some companies that had um, some some just incredible exploration success. Uh, this week because the market has been rewarding that finally, right? In a very meaningful way. Um, Let's start with Rupert Resources, which I know is a company that you wrote a check for, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, a few months back. And excellent. Well, I bet you're smiling. I'm smiling. And you know what I'm finding? And it's, it's nothing new, really, Gerardo, is that some of these real quality deals is you don't get a warrant, right? And and it allows them maybe to to run sometimes a little bit better. There's there was no warrant with that financing I wrote a check into into Rupert for. And so I've just seen some of these real quality deals. And I know you, you flipped a deal to me this week that was looked really good that doesn't come with a warrant either. And I'm still gonna participate, right? So uh, anyway, back to Rupert. They've been exploring in in Finland for some time and and listeners of this podcast or followers of Resource Stock Digest or, or even me, frankly, know that, you know, Finland is an up and coming sector or, or jurisdiction rather up there with Idaho. Um, and so Rupert has this old mine and mill called uh, Patavaras. Excuse my pronunciation. I'm not Finnish. 
Um, but they've they've undergone this base of till program, and I'm making this a long answer, but basically they just put out they've been making you know sort of smaller new discoveries, having real success with this base of till program, and I've been watching, and, and they've been putting out good results. And then this week they halt the stock, and I didn't quite know what it was for. I mean, Agnico Eagle had just put a slug of money in there, so I didn't think they were getting bought quite yet, but I I assumed it was good results, and here they come with 137 meters. Uh, of 1.8 grams a ton and, and inside of there there was a uh, some higher grade sections 7.1 grams across uh, 14 meters and this started right at surface so um, you know uh, a, a, a company with uh, a good resource a uh, good management team a, a mill and and finally seeing some some success um, well they've had success with the drill bit but seeing success in the market with results from the drill bit right which is exactly what you said and and the market has rewarded it with a market cap now of over 250 million canadian right which i mean just one year ago <laughs> we we have companies in our portfolio frankly that have over 6 7 million ounces of gold and we know where there's 3 or 4 million just laying around and to this day they don't have that type of market cap what do you attribute that valuation to we know management is excellent. We know the drill obviously, obviously has, is, is, is onto a significant discovery that's, that's good grade. It's near surface. Um, that team is technically very, very strong. It's in a good jurisdiction. But it, 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 is it just one of those look at me now type of stories that the market is, is really rewarding as opposed to, you know, take a Midas gold, which, hey, it was up 12, 13%, but still trading you know, 60 cent level where it was basically a year ago, right? We haven't seen a breakout there speaking to your theme there of um, the GDXJ not breaking out yet and, and and some companies being rewarded, but others not. Is it, is it, is that where we're at right now in this, in this, in, in this space? Uh, yeah. I mean, look, there's splashy grades. It gets gold in the headline and then, you know, whatever happens, happens algorithms and, and pretty girl of the day, uh, et cetera. And then, you also got to like look at that look at that chart, the famous chart, the life cycle of a, of a mining stock, yep. right? Uh, Midas isn't in the the sexy period. I mean, Midas's news release are <laughs> primarily boiled down to our permitting process has been delayed again. I mean, <laughs> so there's nothing exciting there, right? I mean, that's just being honest. And so they're in that they're in that section of the curve where um, no one is interested, there, quite frankly, and so. Um, you and I were talking about a company before we started recording that that has uh, opted to wait and and waiting isn't isn't being rewarded. And so, um, yes, is your answer. The companies that are that are active doing things right now um, are, are, are fetching higher valuations. And, and, you know, this was sort of honestly the case a little bit before. Um, like COVID was even a thing, right? Because I remember looking at companies like I drove up to see West Haven. I probably talked about it on this podcast and I'd have to look it up now to see what their market cap is. But let's talk about West Haven. Like their market cap right now is $71 million, right? And they've no resource, right? They found a, had a couple of, of screamer holes, made a new discovery. Um, but we can point to that a company, 71 million Canadian was that market cap. And then you look at a company like another one in Idaho, Revival Gold. 3 million ounces entering a PEA to potentially, you know, wrap some economics around restarting the mine, uh, leach pads, there, infrastructure from an old, old mine there. And I'd have to pull that one up too, but it's probably something like 20 or $30 million, uh, Canadian, right? $42 million Canadian, right? So, um, just over half the value of an exploration story with, uh, with a new discovery. And, and, and that just sort of is what it is. Um, you know, um, the more you look at the stuff, the the more you know and the less you know, right? So, you know, someone like you or I looks at that and it's like, um, man, but, but Revival is really undervalued, right? I, I'd like to buy some more shares and I'm content waiting, right? But someone else, um, and we can talk about maybe Jeremy Judkins from this YouTube video in a second. Yep. But but someone else who doesn't know the sector as much looks at a, a screamer drill hole and they're not comparing that. What are their peer comparisons on an EV to ounce basis? You know, they're not like they're not doing that. I mean, they're just screamer gold hole buying stock, right? Just like Tesla's going up, buy the call option or whatever it is. And so I think that's just that's the answer. 
I, I, I agree wholeheartedly right now. And I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of money made in this cycle and we're starting to see it, you know, checks that, that, that we, that we wrote months ago are finally starting to, to pay off in spades. But I think this is just the beginning because clearly, clearly there is not a ton of research going into where capital is flowing yet, right? It's not happening yet. Or the Midas golds of the world, the Almadens of the world, the revivals of the world, the companies that we know have robust resources, gold in Almaden's case, gold and, 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 and silver exposure and a mill, by the way, market cap, 72 million Canadian, right? Um, you know, these companies just frankly are forgotten. People have brushed them to the side. People have owned them. Um, I responded to a, a subscriber that said, hey, you know, your last two or three picks have done great. But I'm still stuck in 2016 positions. What's going on with those? I'm worried about those companies. And, and my response was, you know, if there's a company that I don't worry about, it's a company like Midas Gold, right? For, for all the reasons that we've talked about in the past. Um, and, and, and so I'm looking forward to the part of this cycle where serious due diligence is being done. And this isn't to take away from the West Havens or the Ruperts or, you know, excellent teams, excellent projects. Um, we congratulate success around here and, and, and we're rooting for them. Right. But, but there is still deep value is the point folks in the space. And if you do just a little bit of work or, or pay somebody to do a little bit of work or subscribe to, yeah, I'll talk my own book here, my newsletter, Nick's newsletter, um, you know, Joe Mazumdar, Exploration Insights, excellent newsletter. Well, pick, pick your person, whoever you want to subscribe to. If you dig a little bit deeper, um, there's real, real value there that I know will be re-rated as we get into the really frothy, bullish part of this cycle, right? Um, and that's coming. That's 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 coming. We started this conversation by talking about gold. If 1710 is the new floor, um, we're in for a doozy of a cycle, folks. Oh, I mean, we're going to be mining half gram a ton gold. And in some cases, already are. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to save this till the end, but we have to talk about uh, Sandstorm Gold and just that hole that they they, they drilled at Hot Mod. And I mean, holy it's gonna, smokes. It's going to make Rupert's hole look stupid. <laughs> For those of you that missed it, Sandstorm Gold Royalties provided an update that reported a hole from its property in Turkey. And I thought it was a typo at first. I, I, I looked at it. I said, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. They're going to have to take it back. Sandstorm Gold's got a great team. They're giants in the business. Uh, that's that's embarrassing, right? What happened? No, it wasn't a, it wasn't a typo. It was 85.3 meters of 84.3 grams per ton gold and 6.8% copper. Yes, it was an infill hole. Who cares? There was another hole that... Would have been the whole of the year anywhere else, but it happened to play second fiddle, right? Hole number three drilled 169.3 meters of 39 grams per ton gold and 1.7% copper. And, you know, for the cynical amongst us that are saying, well, yeah, but was it down 1,500 meters? Not that it would matter. No. Nah, it started at 20.8 meters. So take that, cynical people. Um it just absolutely ridiculous numbers and congratulations to, 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 to the team there and the group that's drilling it. Um, nothing else you can say. Yeah. It's in Turkey. You know what? It's, 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 I, I, I mentioned this to a group that interviewed me yesterday. I said, look, you know, jurisdictional risk is like real estate. It's local, right? You can have a community that has had responsible development, responsible exploration, is familiar with mining, has a mining history, and it could be in the middle of a war zone and, you know, not literally, but it could be in an area that's deemed to be not the safest and you can do very well. Um, and you can also be in areas that traditionally have been seen as safe havens. And if, you know, if, if, if the contractors come in and start impregnating all the girls and, 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 and taking off at two months later and, and, you know, having <laughs> drunken fights at the bar, the next group that comes in is going to have to pay for the sins of the past group. And so can't just write off an entire country or an entire region is what I'm trying to say. Again, do a little bit more due diligence, folks, and and, and dig in there because because it, it, it matters. It matters. But anyway, congratulations. 85 meters of 84 grams per ton gold is uh, and 6.8% copper. I love that that's secondary. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, 80 and 80. I mean, come on. Nuts, 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 nuts. Um, let's talk about the markets a bit. You know, I, I mentioned that we're, you know, now at, at least 36 million unemployed. And we know that 
um, claims are backed up. We know that that's likely well above 40 million and, and it's trending that way. And you know what? The market was down this week. The major U.S. indices, the Dow was down, I believe, a little over 2%, but nowhere near the levels that, that again, and we talked about it last week, I would imagine um, the market should be at if we're, we're, we're you know, looking at realistic P&Es and, and, and all of that, right? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, earnings growth, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I think it was uh, down 7 or 8% uh, across the board, you know, pockets of uh, green inside there. But earnings, to be clear, um, significantly down. And, and that was only with, uh, uh, you know, a partial lockdown for that quarter. Q2 is going to be really bad. Make no mistake, the worst things ever in the economy continue to to happen, like worst uh, retail sales number ever today, right? And so, um, and that's in a country that is, you know, consumer driven. And so everyone's hoarding their cash. We've talked about the deflationary nature in the past couple of episodes. The $1,200 that everybody got didn't go anywhere except into <laughs> uh, savings accounts and into uh, to pay down debt. The M2 money supply is, is not accelerating. Um, there's going to be uh, another round of checks. It's a co- complete and utter disconnect. And um, it's rising for all the wrong reasons. And so there's people that see that like you that say, you know, it, stocks can go to all time highs the same time gold is going to all time highs in the dollar. And then there's other people that point to that and say, uh, take it as sort of like um, evidence of a V-shaped recovery or that. You know, this don't fight the Fed nonsense that I keep hearing. And, you know, they point to, I think we talked about this already today, how the NASDAQ was up year to date or whatever. Um, but a complete and, and, and utter disconnect uh, of the stock market from reality, which uh, we know the stock market isn't the economy. But even some of the like permable bros are starting to <laughs> like say, wait, like, I, I don't know about this, right? Listen, folks, the Democrats are now proposing another $3 trillion coronavirus relief package. We told you last time, right? This wasn't stimulus. That, that, that last one was, was just, you know, a little foreplay here. Um, this one isn't stimulus either because make no mistake, this is the House Democrats that are, that are looking to vote on it. Um, it won't get anywhere, but it, it, it's not that it won't get passed eventually. It's about who gets what. And this goes back to my comment earlier about if I could short justice in America or morality or, or you know, any sense of just responsibility, I absolutely would. The money will get spent. These bills will pass as soon as the Democrats sit down with the Republicans and carve out their respective pieces. Um, we'll, we'll be chatting a month from now. And I can almost guarantee that we're going to see another relief bill in the trillions of dollars, likely around three trillion where, where, you know, the Democrats are, 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 are pro- proposing the bill be at right now. Um, and then that's going to get followed up by an infrastructure stimulus bill, which will likely be a couple of trillion dollars. And whether you agree or disagree with an infrastructure stimulus bill, I happen to agree with that. If we could find a way to pay for it responsibly, um, keep in mind, everyone, that this is within a backdrop of just a year ago, we got tax cuts, right, for corporations, um, for, 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 for the, the, the better off amongst everybody. Um, and now, again, 1200 bucks and shut the fuck up is basically the, the policy for everybody else that, 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 which is the majority of America that didn't have more than 400 bucks in case of an emergency, right? Um, within that relief bill, the first point of contention that the Republicans are raising is, 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 is the fact that they, uh, uh, Senator McConnell wants to be able to provide protection for doctors and businesses, limit liability in case people, corporations, companies are negligent. And if as a result of that negligence, workers or consumers get sick on their watch, this guy wants to include in the bill, it's one of his sticking points for his $3 trillion, um, a liability waiver. 
This is where we're at in 2020. Not only can we not afford this, not only is it incredibly irresponsible by both sides, not only are we passing the buck, not just to the next generation, but probably the one after that. Um, but, you know, we want to protect corporations from any liability. These are the same corporations that are leaving the U.S., avoiding taxes, not paying into the system, and then coming back and taking COVID-19 relief. And, and, and now they're lobbying for liability protections. You and I, Nick, as individuals don't get them. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's appalling, yet not surprising at the same time. And I think it, it, it speaks to like, you know, just, just the sad state of affairs that we have as far as the haves and have nots in this country and, and speaks to, to, you know, the, the, the benefit of being able to be well-connected and have lobbyists that will speak for you and, and, and hell, you know, you could threaten the, you could threaten your state capital. And if you have enough people on your side, you'll get it shut down and they won't even come after you as we saw in Michigan this week. Right. And I was all for those protesters a couple of weeks ago when they were out there peacefully, you know, with their big ARs and their assault rifles. And hey, that's Michigan law. Michigan law allows them to do all that. It started irking me a little bit when, you know, when you start getting in the face of, of people trying to do their job and, and, and yelling at them. But again, freedom of speech, you're allowed to do that. The cops don't want to arrest those people. That's, that's, that's their call. That's on them if they want to take it. Um, but when you start emailing and calling in threats, um, at what point does government and the local authorities say, no, that's bullshit. We're going to shut that down. Didn't happen in Michigan. Instead, they said, well, we'd rather close up shop. Um, than risk an incident. I mean, it's just bizarre world, everyone. Everywhere I look, everything I look at, whether it's the stock market, whether it's the response to this COVID-19, whether it's valuations, um, just none of it makes sense. Here's another one. You know, let's let, let's talk the state of the country and justice in this country. Paul Manafort, who was sentenced to, you know, over eight years in prison, gets to serve the last seven and a half years in home confinement in his mansion. Seven and a half years because he was concerned that he might catch COVID-19. Because as you know, we are treating our prisoners, 95%, which will be released back into society, like absolute trash in this country. Um, the amount of COVID infections, the percentage, um, the, the, the lack of PPE for the staff, the COs. We talked a little bit about this last week, but you know, none of them are having their needs met. None of them are being heard. Um, very little in the way of responsible action and approach to COVID-19 in the prison system. But yet this guy gets to have seven and a half years of his sentence in his mansion. It's nuts. It's crazy to me. Um, there's a couple of things I guess I would want to say is that clearly the companies run the show. We talked about the Citizen United case uh, at length on this podcast and how citizens are or corporations are citizens and they can um, have their uh, super PACs and, and donate to the candidates and that's how they get the laws uh, written in their favor, favor and it couldn't be more on display than it has been over the past couple of months and how this uh, stimulus and, and response has been doled out and um, I want to talk about Elon Musk for just one second. You know, here you have a billionaire who's just basically telling the government what he's doing and they're caving to him. And that's sort of like a microcosm of what's happening everywhere. You know, in California, they got whatever, stay at home orders and, and social distancing and businesses are supposed to be closed. And Elon just goes in there and says, you know, no, I'm opening up. Right. And then all of a sudden Elon is, uh, is allowed to open up. But even beyond that, um, uh, you talk about Paul Manafort being allowed to go to his, his nice home and serve out the, the rest of the years of his sentence. You know, I was reading today that the expectation is that homelessness is going to increase in the United States by as much as 45 percent. Um, and then I was also reading this week that a, a three Michelin star restaurant in Virginia is going to put mannequins in there. Um, <laughs> I read that <laughs> dining room so that they're. Patrons will, won't have to be depressed that they have to go to a three-star Michelin restaurant with, um, you know, not full and lacking the typical ambiance of a hustling and bustling restaurant. And so, are, se uh, are, are sex dolls the new sugar babies for lonely men that have <laughs> that have issues? <laughs> Maybe it'll be socially accepted to bring them to the restaurant because it doesn't count against the, you know, the, the amount of people that are allowed to be inside. 
But anyway, that's sort of it, right? I mean, you got record on uh, record unemployment, depression level statistics for retail sales. Um, what did I read today? Forty percent of people that make less than forty thousand uh, dollars have now lost their job. Uh, homelessness expected to increase forty five percent. And you know the let them make the let them eat cake crowd is worried about what the ambience is going to be like in their Michelin star restaurant, right? And so. That's sort of the dichotomy that we're operating in right now. Yeah, we're more worried about the fact that some employees, because they make shit, are actually making more from unemployment than they are when they go to work. And a lot of these employees are the people that we are, quote unquote, you know, deeming essential workers and, you know, flying the super cool jets and shit over. They just did that yesterday. Hey, symbolic, nice gesture. Very neat, right? Um, can, can, Can we pay these people like essential workers? Can, can we treat people like people? Um, you know, you, you mentioned the statistic there with, with, with homelessness and how that's expected to rise. And, you know, kind of like the prison system and the neglect there, there's a whole lot of residual blowback people that comes with that. The mental health issues, um, you know, I, I, the child abuse that comes with that. I could go on and on and I, I don't want to make this podcast all about that right now, but, um, but careful. it's a snake eating. It's a snake eating its tail. Is sort of what I was, I, I guess, trying to get at. Can you hear me or no? Absolutely. Um, you know, who wants to go to a three star Michelin restaurant if they got to step over three homeless people in the alley to to get there, right? I mean, and that's sort of like um, where you're headed. You can see it in, in Silicon Valley, where now these people are saying, um, you know, we're we're not going to live here anymore. I'm talking about the the wall off people in San Francisco, right, that have got their stock options and stuff because the city's, uh, you know, rife with homelessness, et cetera. And they're saying that the the real estate values are too high, and that's sort of what happens when the system cannibalizes itself, right? And you're seeing it in, in real time, and that's why it's, there's going to be real change sooner than later. I'd say. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last uh, tidbit from uh, Injustice in America, just in case anybody is unclear about, um, you know, whether there is a political party, a major political party in this country that cares for the average citizen if you're not uber wealthy. Um, (laughs) You know, we saw it this week. The Senate rejected a plan to basically abide by the Constitution. It rejected a plan to require a warrant for Americans browsing data. Did you did you read that one? I saw you tweeted it. I haven't got to it yet, but it's one of those things. Not surprised, right? Give me some more info. So so basically, you know, there was an amendment that would have required the government to establish probable cause, you know, like reasonable suspicion of you committing a crime um, to go get a warrant in order for the government to come in and go through your browsing history and confiscate your computer and see what you're up to. Right. It's almost like that minority report movie where, you know, they, 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 in the movie, right. The premise was you can predict future crime by certain traits and habits and we can just prevent it. You can be arrested. Well, this is kind of like the direction it seems like this is going. This will now, will now allow, allow the government to, 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 to get into your browsing history. That's private private no longer, I guess, um, and browse through it and see if there's anything there um, that they deem as criminal. And and it won't require a warrant. It won't require consent. Um, again, there's a Bill of Rights and a Constitution to protect against this kind of stuff. And I've always said, you know, those those documents shouldn't be and, and they haven't been historically, you know, the the all the, the end all of everything. Um, there have been amendments. There should be amendments. And we are severely behind the curve um, when it comes to, to digital privacy and, and what that looks like. And so um, you don't have to be suspected of anything right now. You don't have to have been in contact with anyone suspected of anything. It just has to be, quote unquote, deemed relevant by the government and then come in and take all of it. So both sides decided that they weren't going to pass a bill that would limit the government's ability to do that. Um for the, for the Bernie bros out there, you know, and I like some of Bernie stuff. If you're going to go big and spend like crazy, you know, it should be for an educated populace and healthcare. And there's a smart way to do that. Um, but for the Bernie bros out there, guess what? He didn't vote and his vote would have prevented this. So both sides, both houses, shame on both of them, man. Um, but again, corporations could be somewhere in the, the Cayman Islands and, and, and get their tax breaks and then come back and, and take taxpayer dollars and then take them back there and and all is fair, right? It's funny how that works out, how 
you know, both sides let stuff like that get through. Both sides can bail out corporations and any other time they're seemingly, um, seemingly right at each other's throats and, 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 you know, the opposite of each other, right? It's all a, it's all a sham. Did you see? And then they do criminal things like that. Let's make no mistake. That's criminal. It's, it's unconstitutional. Um, in the name of preventing crime, right? I mean, we, you and I, I've talked about this before. Uh, Dostoevsky was writing about this in like mm. Russian novels hundreds of years ago, right? I mean, yeah. this doesn't change. Did you see the ICE agents who were getting hand jobs and then arresting the, the girls as, for sex traffickers? That story mm. was just out today, right? I mean, crazy, crazy. It, let's provide context to that story because I was going to put it up and, and, and it, 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 it struck a nerve with me. So I didn't because... Uh, sexual assault and, and, you know, everything associated with that. I detest people that engage in that type of stuff. Um, and, and, and this is basically just, just some of the nastiest stuff, right? This, the, the, these are ice agents that were assigned cases where they are supposed to be helping victims of sex trafficking, predominantly women. Right. And instead of helping them, um, they were re-victimizing them by having sexual relations with them. And so, they're, they're, when this was investigated, their response was, there's nothing in the manual, there's nothing in the policy and procedures that explicitly, no pun intended, prevents us from doing that. Just nasty. Put law aside for a second. Just as a human being, where do you have that in you to have that be like your defense to something as despicable and nasty as that? It's just... Oh God. I, I, I tell my wife often, you know, I'm, I'm glad I have, I have a loving family and kids and, you know, successful businesses and, and purpose in life. Cause boy, if I didn't, boy, if I did it, you know, and I'll just leave that there. I'll just leave that there. I just, it, it disgusts me. It's nasty. Well, and that's sort of uh, the line, right? I mean, what is it for, for that's going to be enough, right? You know, I mean, and I know we're almost at, a, at an hour, but you got people like, and I've said light the match. You were asking me about lighting the match like before the coronavirus, right? And then you had, I don't know if you saw like Ben Hunt from Epsilon Theory writing, burn it the fuck down um, last week or this week or whenever it was. Or, um, and I don't want to get into the whole police thing, but gosh, there was a, there was a day, I think two weeks ago in Indianapolis where uh, three black people lost their lives over overnight at the, at the hands of police in three separate incidents, including um, one where a pregnant woman was run over by a, a, a police officer um, and the baby died as well. Um, and, you know, that brought uh, Indianapolis residents out in the street uh, among COVID. That story kind of disappeared rather quickly from the headlines. And to be honest, I didn't have a chance to read it right away. I left it open in a tab and I just got to it this week. But that's crazy, man. In one of the instances, and we're way off topic now, but in, it, it's sort of like government enforcers, though, right? Like this is the attitude. Um, uh, one of the, the one of the uh, cop shootings was captured on Facebook Live with thousands of viewers. Um, and the cop was caught joking on the Facebook Live video mm-hmm. about how about how this the the deceased person wasn't going to be able to to have an open casket like a, a joke he was joking with another cop like i guess it's not going to be an open casket for this guy huh homie like that's like your callous attitude towards like you know i've said it a hundred times but like you know you're supposed to protect and serve right and and that that callous joke in the moments after you've taken someone's life just shows what what they're all about right just just disgusting all the way around um, let's switch back to the markets for a brief second. <laughs> Bitcoin is flirting with 10,000 again. Is, 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 is Blake, Bitcoin back? Is it, is it, is it, you know, we had the halving, right? Of, 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 of Bitcoin and that was supposed to be a big catalyst and, you know, it's, it's responded reasonably well, but, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You're, you're more of a crypto, you're more crypto informed than I am. You know, I, I happen to believe, I'll give you my opinion really quick. I do believe that, you know, alternative asset classes. I think the, the the big trend right now is a move away from government debt and 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 public assets and 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 into private ones. Right, the gold, uh, uh, good real estate in in low tax states that um, can provide land at a good price that you can that you can live off of. Right, um, 
Bitcoin falls into that. However you fall, however you feel about it, it falls into that class. It is an alternative asset class. And so I'd love to hear your take on whether you think this is the beginning of another big run, because we've seen several supposed deaths of crypto and Bitcoin. And, and each time it's, it's, it's bounced back reasonably well. Oh my goodness. Good real estate you mentioned is is crazy and and ranchers as well. Like, um, I, I pays to be to ahead of the pig. trend, huh? <laughs> I happened to buy a pig as we talked about, and you know I hit up the. It was really good, and so not that it's all gone. We still got a lot of pork left, but it was so good that I wanted to know like when I would be able to get more, like for a fall or a winter order, right? And so I hit the lady up, and I'm going to answer your question. Just give me a second. I hit the lady up um, on Instagram, and I didn't get a response, and I was like, huh, she's normally pretty like like responsive. Maybe she just didn't see my question or whatever. And then a couple of days later, I get this, uh, an email and it's like, Hey, to all of you guys who were like first time clients, um, recently we're overwhelmed. We're getting like four or five, uh, pig orders per day. And this is just like a little podunk ranch in Oregon. Right. Um, they had to like build a new website. They say this like un unprecedented, right. They've never seen, um, orders like this. And, um, and so I started asking questions, right? And, and all the farmers that they talked to, right? All their little, their cohort or their co-op or whatever, same uh, across the board, people trying to uh, get their hands on meat that isn't uh, subject to the to the mass produced US supply chain, right? And, yep. and that's sort of how I wanted to answer your question. It's outside of the system. Yep. It's real, it's real meat. It comes from a real farmer. And I think you're starting to see that with gold. It's real money. It comes from real ground. Um, and I, I think that um, it's the same thing with with Bitcoin, right? Um, it's an alternative asset. It's like you said, I'm sort of outside the government's purview. And in that respect, um, it's going to do well uh, alongside gold. And um, Christ could even do better, Gerardo, who knows? But uh, the fact of the matter is, I think these things are going um, higher. I was talking to, to somebody, I don't even know what day it is anymore. I guess it was earlier this week on Monday, um, talking about how um, it was about like permitting, right? And how the Australian government was more keen on permitting mining projects now to get people back to work. Um, and he was just saying how and it's sort of just like an oscillator, right? We talk about the fourth turning, mm. we talk about cycles and and the cycle is just he was framing it and I hadn't quite heard it framed this way, but I really liked it was, you know, we've had like 10 years of bullshit, right? Where like we work is can, can become a market darling, for example. And it's like, that's just utter like nonsense. And so, um, you know, whether it's a fourth turning and, and political turnings that are happening or market turnings back towards like real hard assets, um, and alternative assets. Um, I just think that that's what's happening. And I know that that was a roundabout way of answering, but hopefully. No, it, no, no, no. It's a very specific it. <laughs> way and provides real good local context, right? Hopefully. Good, good. Let's, uh, I know you wanted to talk about Jeremy Judkins discovering gold stocks. Well, I sort of wanted to throw Jeremy in that answer and, and I failed to do so. So apologies, but um, I'll put the link up to this YouTube video where, um, <laughs> Oh, gosh. FYI, guys, that's the last time you're going to get two fucking apologies from Nick Hodge and Gerardo Del Real in a single podcast. So don't get used to it. <laughs> this is kid Jeremy Judkins, and he's got this video about how to um, make massive amounts of money by buying Tesla <laughs> calls on the Robinhood app. Um, and in the in the very first like 30 seconds of the video, he tells you that. He doesn't really know much about options or, or how they work, but if you time them right and you're lucky, you can make a lot of money, um, but you could, you could lose all your money too. Um, and then he goes on to talk about for eight minutes about how he's been trading all these options on Robinhood <laughs> with his $6,000 account, right? And so, and he, he says that, he's like, I got my $6,000 Robinhood account, right? And it's like, fuck, you're making YouTube videos and you got a $6,000 account and and so anyway, <laughs> that's sort of the bullshit, right? When you got 20-something-year-old kids making YouTube videos about trading fucking call options. It's like, give me a break, right? That kid's going to become cannon fodder. That was like, what the broker <laughs> said who sent that link to me. That dude is cannon fodder for the market, right? I mean, come on. And so, yeah, when Jeremy Judkins, that's his name, when Jeremy Judkins um, 
takes the 1,000 of the six that he has left and puts it in gold <laughs> stocks, that's when they're going to go up. <laughs> so the Jeremy Judkins contrarian indicator ETF is what you're telling Holy me should be shit. something that everybody is watching. Exactly. I like it. I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to somewhat wrap up my end of what I had to rant and rave about by saying that, you know, on the other side of all the injustices here in this country, I was, and, and it's early, so I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, things will turn like with Flynn and like with Manafort, but, um, you know, Burr, the gentleman that, uh, sold a bunch of his stocks after a COVID-19 classified meeting and also got his brother-in-law to sell millions of dollars in stocks. He now has been served a warrant. Um, cell phone and records have been seized. Interesting that the feds felt the need to serve a warrant, <laughs> being and given the fact that we're passing laws in this country that for the average American doesn't require that if they want your digital content. But we already talked about that. I think that's a story um, that's going to gain some traction. He was far from the only one. Um, there's there's politicians on both sides of that that were named and involved. Uh, different degrees of involvement, let's be clear. But his seemed to be um, one of the more uh, egregious examples of of misconduct, if, if we want to be kind and put it nicely. Um, so Burr the Traitor rises again, but this time it looks like the feds are on him. We'll see where that goes. Well, let's hope it goes somewhere and let's hope they round them all up. And they don't get pardoned because, you know, you know how that goes. Oh, one last thing before I let you go, Nick. Did you hear about Obamagate? Obamagate. Obamagate. I mean, I saw that it was a term, but I haven't really been following along. Was it beyond him wearing a tan suit? Is it more important than that? I, I, I don't know because nobody can tell me what Obamagate is, including <laughs> Donald Trump. They asked him. They asked him and I was like, oh, here comes the goodies. You know, I listen, believe you me, there were some things Barack Obama did. That, that, that I thought were great. I thought he brought class to the office. Um, you know, there wasn't a major scandal while he was in there as far as the office goes. There's other things that I absolutely detest. I think, you know, he continued the the the, the bombing of the Middle East in a way that really destabilized and, and marginalized and, and killed a ton of innocent people. And, and I don't, to this day, understand the logic behind it. But, um, I you know, I say all that to say that I was looking forward to maybe getting some 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 context and some substance. And I was like, all right, well, he seems pretty passionate about this Obamagate thing. He keeps tweeting it, right? Like, Obamagate, Obamagate. Then I I, I saw it repeated by some right-wing uh, uh, outlets, and, and I thought, here we go. And then I, I, I see a press conference, and um, there, 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 there's nothing there. He, at, he was asked, and he said, you know what he did? And, and the reporter said, no, I don't, actually. That's why I'm asking you. Um, and he said... You know, that's a nasty question. Next. So again, this is the leader of the free world. This is what we're dealing with right now. Um, that's where that's at. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there. I will ask you one question, Nick, in regard, and then this is a serious one, in regards to something that I've supported the Trump administration on. I, 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 I've long said that I thought that taking a hard line with China, um, this was back during the early trade war uh, skirmishes that we had, um, was was the right approach and that previous administrations going back 20, 30 years um, had softballed it and given away a lot of in intellectual property that that belonged to us, right? And I thought it put, it, put us at a disadvantage. Um, that seems like that's flaring up again. You know, Trump is saying he doesn't want to call um, you know, the Chinese administration, he doesn't what doesn't want to talk with them. Um, there's talks about the trade deal being ripped up. Um, are enough people paying attention to that? Because I got to think, despite the Fed coming in and buying everything, that would have significant impact moving forward on earnings and everything else that we look at to gain some sense of of, of metrics, right? Well, what's he going to do? Send a passive aggressive text? He wants to avoid <laughs> the phone call? What's he going to do? I mean, look, we never finished this whole thing up before the virus hit, right? And if there was some sort of um, animosity towards China before, certainly you can see it now. I mean, it's being reflected in Pew polls now, right? Um, where they're asking people their feelings towards China and it's sort of uh, ubiquitous across the board, um, not as elevated in Democrats as Republicans, but certainly animosity uh, against China has risen. And you've got this guy, the orange one, uh, backed into a corner. 
And he's looking for strings to pull for this election, right? Because, um, well, the economy's not doing all that great. And that was sort of his sounding horn before, right? Stocks at all time highs, stocks at all time highs. I mean, he was still telling you to buy the dip in, you know, March and stuff. And so that's sort of gone now. If you could leverage um, animosity toward China uh, for his political gain, um, then certainly I think he's going to do it irrespective of the implications it has and for the uh, the stock market, uh, et cetera. I mean, you know, make no mistake, the I don't know how to say that the tech company's name. People tell me I'm wrong when I say Huawei, but whatever. I'm going to keep saying Huawei. I thought um, it was Huawei. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, like that stuff was never um, resolved. And, and if anything, there's only going to be more tensions now. So um, definitely not a positive for the for the market. If that was the thing, you know, trade tensions before, that was the only thing the market would go down <laughs> on, right? Like, we'll see what happens now. <laughs> We'll see if there's an election. We'll see if Jared Kushner allows it. And Nunez gets his uh, mail-in ballots, right? Again, and that one was on my list. I I don't even want to get into it. This guy basically got up. I'll give you the brief context, everybody. Go Google it. He basically said, hey, look, ballot harvesting is illegal in 49 states, but it's all we got if we're going to win. I don't know what motivated him to, to, to say that publicly. I know he was talking about the one state where it was legal to do it, but... Um, Again, you know, both sides are nasty. Both sides are are, are just, I, I, I can't wait till the youth rises up and gets these fucking people out of office and we have some sense of decency back in politics and policy. In the meantime, we're going to enjoy a precious metals bull market. I'm not completely convinced that silver's run is real. Not yet. I am 100% convinced. <laughs> fair warning <laughs> that gold is in a bull market doesn't mean it goes straight up as Mr. Hodge said earlier, but again, you should be positioned. And if you're not, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast. Um, you should be positioned by now. And if not get positioned and if you can get aggressive now, maybe a good time to do so. Mr. Hodge, any last words? No, um, just to say that this economic recovery is is going to be getting uh, pushed out and, and pushed out. Keep an eye on the continuing claims and the jobs numbers. It's going to let you know that these uh, temporary job losses are turned into permanent. And, uh, you know, I just got a text this week that my buddy who is getting married in August has canceled their wedding until next September. So um, the negative snowball is rolling and compounding. Agreed. Agreed. We'll leave that there. Any stocks you want to highlight? We talked Rupert. We talked Sandstorm. Um, I continue to believe that Magna Gold is a screaming buy at these levels. I don't believe very many people have a clue as to what that production profile will look like in the next several months and years. Um, that's all I got. Anything you want to touch on there, Nick? No, I'm content to leave it there. Um, no, not, not this week. I like it. Well, that's it, folks. Everybody have a great week. Be kind to each other. Wash your hands. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 70, 70 of Bizarro World. Thanks for the therapy, everyone. Thanks for listening. See ya.